Hey, it's Darren Johnson. I'm here on new podcast equipment. Let's try out the music. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. All right, I'm going to fade this out. Learning new equipment. All right. It's cool. All right, let me turn off the song. Okay, so this is Darren Johnson, and I am on brand new podcast equipment. It sounds really good. Um, I'm usually like with a little recorder somewhere trying to be all journalistic, but today I'll use the actual professional road podcast equipment that I just got installed at a college I teach journalism for. Okay, so um, I write a column. The reason why I picked that song is I do know a little bit about history, you know, I know um, Sam Cooke doesn't know much about history, but I know a little bit about it. So I write a history column uh, based on an old newspaper that I actually own, believe it or not, called the Greenwich Journal and Salem Press Newspaper. And it was founded in 1842, not 1942, not 2042, uh, but 1842. So this is like before Lincoln was a thing. You know, he was existing, but he was just uh, some nerdy lawyer, you know, in the Midwest. Um, you know, before, um, he probably still could wrestle at that point, you know, before the civil war, though, there were rumblings, you know, before a lot of things went on. So this was a really old paper. Uh, the paper was on the right side of history and it was in the Northeast and it, um, obviously was, uh, you know, against slavery, uh, abolitionist. Um, and it took on various causes over the years that were, um, you know, mostly seen on the right side of history, you know, suffrage movement, for example. Um, kind of was impartial about um, prohibition. So it didn't really take a side one way or the other. It was in the olden days, you know, when papers like this existed, they were uh, affiliated with political parties. And this one was affiliated with the Whig Party. So, uh, you know, there's some Whig propaganda in the early issues. Uh, the paper really, it had a founder called John Curtis in 1842, and he maintained it for a while, a couple decades and he, you know, in, in those days, newspapers are very similar to today. They didn't have a lot of budget. So the person had to pretty much be a one-person show. And that's how small-town rule papers are today. I'm the one-man show, one-person show for uh, the Greenwich Journal and Salem Press today. I kind of, it was going out of business in um, 2019. I live in the town. So I was like, hey, you know, it, I better practice what I preach. I teach journalism courses and I've been doing publications for a while, you know, other publications. So when I, your hometown paper's about to go to business, no one really qualified was local. Um, people had tried to buy it in the past and politicize it to whatever their goals were. And I'm one of those few people that are still trained in the old school style. I kind of cross generations where I can look at the last century and, and that objective style of journalism that was popular back then. Um, I, I know that style, and I also know the the new, more proactive style of journalism. That if a person isn't disciplined, it comes off as biased. But um, I think I can definitely uh, skate that fine line between bias and being um, helpful. You know, being solutions oriented. So in any case, I write a historical column. I go on uh, all of our. Papers are archived, so that's one of my favorite aspects of owning a really old paper. 
is we have 180 something years of archives and it shows like the whole history of the region and I'm just a small blip on this map of publishers who've published this little paper in upstate New York. So I write this historical column looking at old papers and I go on a website that archives them um, and we, you know, we give our PDFs to the um, archives so you can find them there. And let's see what we got. Um, let's go back in time to 180 years ago. So I try to do it by the decade. So 180 years ago was what? Well, the next issue comes out February, um, the first week in February. So 1844. 180 years ago is 1844, February, I click on. And we're in the early part of February. So I'll click on, I have a choice between February 1 and, you know, hey, just like this year, it's a leap year in 1844. So there was a, a February 29th issue, believe it or not. I'll pick, um, I'll pick February 8th, 1844. Okay, so the paper opens up. Back then, it was not a lot of pages. I think probably just two or four pages or something. Let me see. It looks like three, four, four pages. It was a four-page paper. All right. So you got this big wall of text. It was a big sheet of paper. It was probably double the size of your typical newspaper as far as um, surface area goes. And it... Um, had very little in the way of graphics. So four pages of this wall of text information would probably be the equivalent of maybe 16 or pages or so laid out in today's modern format, I would guess, because you'd space it out. You'd have some white space. You'd have some full quotes. You'd have some photos. You'd have some comics. You know, so they had none of that. So um, back then, newspapers had... A, um, they were kind of eclectic. This was before journalism as we know it, um, pre-journalism maybe. And this paper was only two years old at the time, uh, less than two years old. So John Curtis put his name on the cover, uh, and the paper then was called the Washington Journal. It's always kept the name Journal all these years. And even the little town I live in, uh, Greenwich, New York, they pronounce it like that, Greenwich, um, wasn't called Greenwich. It was called Union Village, so it even had a different name. But it's the same paper, same lineage. It could be traced all the way back to 1842. So here's February 8th, 1844, and there's a little disclaimer in the beginning, you know, saying the journal is published every Thursday, um, office in a new three-story building, brick building directly over the Washington County Bank. <laughs> uh, John W. Curtis is editor and proprietor. And then there's some terms. Um, if you wanted to be a subscriber, you could pay $1.50 a year and get all 52 issues. Or you could um, pay 50 cents a quarter. If you couldn't afford the 150, you could pay 50 cents a quarter. Now, I don't know what the inflation calculator would be, but I did it once for like a paper from a hundred years ago, and it's about the same the cost of the paper compared to um, if you fix it to inflation. So don't think like oh the paper was so much cheaper back then. It really wasn't. There were some periods in 
the um, like 80s and 90s and such when papers were relatively cheap compared to what the dollar was worth. But that's because they had so many ads they can supplement that cover price. But for most of the history of newspapers, they did need that cover price to a certain extent. So there's a poem on the cover called My Mother. Now, newspapers back then, you know, there was no internet. You might have seen the movie with Tom Hanks called News of the World. And it um, he had to go town to town and he would charge people a dime, which seems like a lot compared to the price of this newspaper. Uh, Post-Civil War, he went through the, uh, you know, the war-torn South and read newspapers from various areas because people, how did you get the news back then? So a newspaper could be kind of eclectic. People had no other forms of, of periodical entertainment. There was no TV, you know, magazines were ultra, ultra rare. They were more like journals and they were pretty much more like books. Books weren't even that common. No, no radio, of course, you know, nothing like that. So this was it. So they can give you a poem. So they had a poem from George Waterman Jr. And I'm sure um, he didn't get paid for it. It was probably just stolen from somewhere. Uh, the copyright laws were much looser back then, kind of like today, I guess, too, where on the Internet people can just steal your content and do whatever they want with it. So here's I'll just read a couple of lines from this poem. Amid a sculptured silver... Uh, I screwed it up already. It's called My Mother. Amid a sculptured sylvan scene where silence reigned profound and dread, I stood and neath the willow green held sweet communion with the dead. I seemed within the spirit land, ethereal forms before me flew, a bright celestial happy land, anon arose before thy view. Now, this copy of the paper is 180 years old. It's been scanned, and some of the letters don't come out that clearly. So instead of land, it might have been hand in the last line. Anyway, you get the gist of it, rhyming, you know, quatrain poetry, blah, blah, blah. All right, so there's a lot of, you know, junk on this cover. Um, what the printers will do for Henry Clay. The following is the conclusion of the working man's wig song. I told you this was a wig newspaper. The printers, too, they know full well, who'll never his trust betray. And so they'll go both hand and heart for faithful Henry Clay. He was a a wig um, hero. They'll roll and prove and pull and press and set and set away and set and set and set and set and vote for Henry Clay. Chorus, they'll roll and prove, etc., etc. So I guess you go back to the original line. All right, so um, the printing press was extremely powerful, and Henry Clay and his followers felt that if they could Use the printing press, they can get the word out, and a Whig would be elected. Now, Henry Clay, as you know, wasn't a president, but he came close. Came close. All right, so, and then there's, like, there's very little in the way of local news in a paper from this many years ago. Um, so when I write my archive column, I look really hard for something that could be, um, uh, you know, that could be useful for today's reader. A lot of the old... Articles are, they're kind of like um, parables, you know, they, and, you know, the Bible was the number one book back then, that's what Gutenberg printed, and, um, 
And so a lot of the writing had that feel of like, here's a little life lesson for you. In that same vein, the newspaper very rarely seems to take a religious stance. So there was that separation of church and press, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, church was omnipresent, so it kind of influenced the way people wrote and thought. Um, but let me see if I can find one of these proverb-type... Um, here's one. The use of money. And I'll see if I can read this, but it's um, it's a little like, you know, it's a copy of a copy of a copy, so we'll see how good it comes out. The use of money. It is not the plenty of meat that nourishes, but a good digestion, semicolon. Neither is it the abundance of wealth that makes happy, but the disparate use of it, maybe is the word. Let me see if I can get in there a little bit closer. It's The copy is really bad. When judgment dictates, we should not be afraid to disagree with our friends, nor ashamed to agree, agree with our enemies. I don't know. See, they, come, they have like this parable feel to them. Keep merry and healthy. What if you have failed in business? You still have life and health. Don't sit down and cry about your mishaps, for that will never get you out of debt nor buy your children frocks. Go to work at something. Eat sparingly. Dress moderately. Drink nothing exciting. And above all, keep a merry heart, and you'll be up in the world again. See, that's kind of like Hallmark Kardish. That's That was on the cover of the paper. Um, that's what they're trying to convey, I guess. So that's page one. So um, then page two, there's a little, like, you know, another screed for Henry Clay. Good old Henry Clay. Uh, that didn't age too well. And usually if you want to find any local content, um, Henry Clay obviously was a national politician. Um, you had to dig into the paper a little. And then towards like page three out of four, we're starting to get some little ads that are, you know, they look like classified ads. Um, you know, who's married? Married at Easton, which is the next town over, um, by the Reverend E.H. Newton, Mr. John T. Chapin to Miss Mercy Handy. Sounds like made-up names, but whatever. That's what the Matrix gives us. Um, in Easton, on the 6th, by Reverend B. Ayers, Mr. Robert Connor to Miss Jane Harrington, also of Easton. So those were a couple of marriages. Who died in Cambridge on the 26th? William J., only son of Harvey and Eliza W. Miller, aged one year and 16 days, um, passed away, unfortunately. So... At Saratoga Springs on Wednesday morning last, Mrs. Abigail Davison, not Davidson, but Davison, mother of G and C, 
Davison, age 78 years. So that's pretty good for back then, 78 years. You know, and then there's like, hey, you can get dry goods over at um, at uh, this grocery store run by, and they always put the proprietor's name, Joseph Southworth of Union Village. Get your groceries, drugs, medicines, paints and oils, boots and shoes. Um And, you know, there's, you know, some um, some national information on here. Uh, the proprietors take occasion on the commencement of a new volume of this favorite weekly newspaper to announce that they have made the most extensive and expensive arrangements to improve and elevate its literary character. It will henceforth present the combined attractions of a newspaper, a magazine, and a review. It will more closely resemble the London Spectator than any other journal in its leading characteristics, and it will take that high critical ground. So they were talking about a new um, publication that was coming out. It's going to be $3 a year. It's going to be called The New World for 1844. And then on the last page, page 404, Here's where maybe for my historical column I can find something. Um, let's see what we got here. It takes a while for the page to come into focus because it's a, it's a high-res PDF and the computer needs to generate the memory for it. So um, you can buy Sans, Sarsaparilla. <laughs> Sarsaparilla, like in those old Western movies, they're always drinking Sarsaparilla. There's a mortgage sale somewhere. Um, I'm trying to find something somewhat local. This page is really blurry. It's not a, uh, here's a New York, here's a lawsuit. You know, they did put like legal cases on the back. All right, here's one too. This is going to be a tough read though, um, because it looks like there's spots on it. Let's see if I can figure out. To the inhabitants of Union Village, you are hereby summoned to be and appear at the store of the agent for the sale of someone Morehouse's a town in uh, a town in Greenwich. Uh, it's a little bit blurred. If you have um, cold or consumption, or if you purchased um, something, let's see to show. Let's see if. Any of you have uh, why your cough is, I think it's an ad for some quack doctor. All right. And then to close it off, the last thing on the page is C.P. Johnson's boot, shoe, and leather store. So you can go to that. So that's an example of an old newspaper, and um, it's a lot of fun to go through. But it's pretty hard at times to um, figure out what's who's worthy to today's people. All right, I think I'll sign out. Let me put that music back on. I'm playing with the new um, the new um, microphone and podcast equipment, and I'll fade out. Darren Johnson, you can find more of these at weeklynewspaperpodcast.com. Don't know what a slide is for.